In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Uh, thanks for coming today. I know it's a beautiful day out there. It's just coming uh, across the water. It's flat as a pancake. So uh, everything is possible from just uh, sitting on the sand to kayaking to uh, fishing to... I'm hurting myself. But, uh, but thanks for coming. It's a sacrifice. I know as always when it's um, either a very bad weather day or a very good day, I always remember uh, the story that uh, one of my teachers in university was, was telling us that one day he was, uh, he was asked to give a, uh, a topic. He was a respiratory specialist. He was uh, asked to give a talk about uh, upper airway infections and um, he was told that it's uh, one talk, uh, the first talk out of two. And they told him that the second guy will talk about lower respiratory tract infections. And um, so he goes to uh, the meeting, the, 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 the lecture or the conference that he's supposed to give the talk at. And uh, it was a beautiful day like today. So, um, so there was nobody except one person sitting down in the lecture room. So uh, he thought, ah, all this preparation, all that, and just one person sitting, I'm going to give all my kind of medical knowledge and my experience. And it's just one person is just about to go and think, there's just, uh, there's one guy who has really made the effort and came, I as well give him, uh, give the talk and, and then I'll go after. So, uh, so he puts the presentation, he gives the talk, he asks, is there any question? And uh, the guy asks him a question and so on, and it was interactive. And then he finishes the talk, he collects his computer and going, and the other guy say, where are you going? He said, I've just finished my talk. He said, wait, sit down, I'm the second speaker, just wait for me. <laughs> so thank goodness there's more than two people here today. So we'll, um, we'll, uh, we'll definitely have a discussion. We'll try to be fast. If I'm too fast, slow me down. I have the tendency to, to talk a bit too fast. Um, so we can have time to have a discussion at the end of the day. Um, Last week, for the ones that were not uh, uh, um, there, we are trying to tackle a few philosophical slash life questions that face us. Sometimes we really kind of come face to face with it. Sometimes we brush it away and we try to just live life as it is. But sooner or later, um, it will hit us in the face and it will be painful if we do not really tackle it, try to think about it, and see what, uh, what needs to be done about it. So um, last time we talked about um, having meaning to our life. So there's always these questions that will always hit us in the face. The search for meaning, the search for fulfillment and satisfaction and happiness, the search for identity and who I am, who am I amongst everybody, the six, seven billion in this universe, the search for freedom. Am I really free or I'm really locked in? Is religious ideation a freeing ideas or is it a locking in ideas? And then the idea of hope is there is hope. Do I live in hope? And this will be the final thing we'll talk about, the hope in the partaking of the divine nature. Um, and this will be our big finale. Um, last time we talked about the idea of meaning and we said that every single one of us, whether we realize it or not, sooner or later will be faced with this. Is there meaning to my life? And I, remind, uh, I told you that uh, one of the movies that we saw uh, in the break is this movie Bird Box and Bird Box 
is some people who see something, we don't know what it is, and because of what they see, they just cannot help but just commit suicide. They see something that is very sad, and because of the sadness that they face, they just commit suicide because they see no reason for them to live anymore. And what I got from this movie, regardless from the horror kind of Sandra Bullock type of stuff, what I got from this movie was, this is our existence if our existence has no meaning. If at one time we look at the time that we've lived, and the, time that we, the things that we've done, and the place that we've gone, and we face this sad realization that there's no meaning, then life will be very painful. And one great question we had discussion after um, we finished was, what if somebody is enjoying life and just living life as it is without searching for meaning? And my answer to that is that anybody who is real to himself will come one day and find if he is not searching for meaning or if he's leave, living a life with an unrealistic, unrational, undurable meaning, which we talked about last time, will have to face this fact. So it is just exactly like somebody who is coming and telling me, Doc, um, yes, you have a, a, an opacity, a lesion in my lung, but I have no pain. I don't really need to investigate. I don't need to treat it. It's exactly like that. If somebody is living a life and thinking that my life, my, the, the meaning of my existence is just to um, bring up a nice family, to make my kids good kids, to have a nice career, to do some humanitarian work, there will be sooner or later a situation or a moment in time where the pain will hit you, the kids will leave you, the career will fault, your uh, um, living for your gym workout will not give you the results that you want. One thing will come after the other and you realize that, yes, this opacity is getting bigger and bigger. I'm starting to have symptoms and I'm starting to realize that what I've been living for is not a durable and rational meaning. We said last time also that, that since the beginning of time, people were looking for meaning. They knew that there is more than just living your life as it comes. There's more than that that would give life meaning. And the, the Greek philosophers and the, the Eastern philosophies called it the logic. There is a logic to your existence. And this logic to our existence or this meaning to our existence is what St. John said in his, um, in his gospel, the logos. The logic, the logos, the word that carries meaning, that carries um, uh, uh, logic. The logos is the meaning of the life. At the beginning, there was the logic, there was the meaning, and the meaning, in the beginning, there was the meaning, and the meaning was with God, and the meaning was with God. Everything came by him, by the meaning, and without him, nothing was made that was made. So the meaning is the grain of our existence, is the meaning, is the pathway of our existence. And the only way that existence will be durable and rational and might have a chance of being fulfilling is if we realize that this meaning is beyond the materialistic. Because if it is just the things that you live for, then you will end up realizing that it's irrational because it's not going to last sooner or later. No matter how much we live, we will realize that the, a person that I live for will be gone. A uh, theme, a uh, project, an idea, no matter how altruistic it is, will be gone. And that's why it's not rational and it's not durable. We also talked about 
a couple of books we talked about being portal um, by Atul Gwanda and the, the experiment where he found that people when they have meaning in their life they live 20% longer and we also found from the book by The Man's Search for Meaning by uh, Viktor Frankl that the stronger the meaning is, the stronger the reason for your existence is, the stronger the motivating factor for your meaning is, the stronger your strive to live and you strive to fulfill yourself. And we extrapolated that to, um, to, to ability. We, we said that if, if the meaning, if the motto, if the directive for your existence is something that is perishable, something that is earthly, the meaning will be limited. And that's why it's never going to be durable. The first time you're going to be suffering or the ones that you love will be suffering, your meaning will collapse. The, the more the meaning is outside the materialistic, the more it is connecting with the transcendent, with something beyond the limits of this world, the more durable it is because suffering will have meaning to your meaning. And I told you a story where Viktor Frankl um, was counseling the guy who was very sad because his wife died and he, um, he told him, I don't want to live, my wife's died and I don't have a reason to live anymore. Um, and he was really suffering and Viktor Frankl told him, do you think that if your wife outlived you, she would be suffering the way that you are suffering now? He said, for sure, I think she was suffering, be suffering the same way. He said, okay, think of your suffering as a way of saving her, her suffering. And when this guy realized that his suffering meant something, he was able to be consoled and that was the end of the counseling session with him. And then we finally said that the meaning, the logic of our existence, some people try to find it in physical world, but us as Christians, we know and logic tells us and durability test tells us that it cannot be a durable, rational meaning unless it is beyond this world. And there comes the continuation of St. John's Gospel. And the word, uh, the logic, the logos became man and dwelt with us. And we have seen his glory. And we said the ultimate meaning is that the meaning is a person, not a collection of principle. The meaning is seeking us. We do not have to find it. It has found us. We just have to connect with him. And the third thing is that we have seen his glory. And we finally talked about um, the connection with this transcendent God becoming man is by connecting with him through the, through the sacraments. And we said that the connection of us through the sacrament, like Father Alexander Schmemann says in his book, For the Life of the World, this connection, this partaking of the sacrament changes our lives from mere physical partaking of tangible stuff to something beyond the existence. It changes the physical to spiritual, it changes the materialistic to immaterialistic, and it changes the limited to unlimited. Because when we have the sacraments, whether it's baptism, whether it's uh, communion, the mere partaking of the sacraments has got effects that are beyond the effects on me. It has got universal and cosmic effects. We're gonna continue almost in the same vein. Now that we have got an idea what meaning is, we need to talk about fulfillment. We 
Okay, we've got a meaning. We know that the meaning for it to be rational and for it to be durable, it has to be godly. It has to be outside the realm of this world. It has to be something transcendent. It has to be not thing that is perishable. So I'm gonna, we're going to go to John again, very famous chapter 6, where, and um, we read together. Therefore they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then, just, then Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. Then Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. The reason I, I got you this, this group of verses is just to establish something that regardless of how content, this is the question that we were talking about last time after we finished, content you are with your life, there will always be this hunger and thirst, this emptiness inside that you will be seeking, uh, I'll be seeking, he will be seeking, she'll be seeking all the time. And no matter how fulfilling your career is, your family life is, your kids are, your service sometimes, if it's a certain type of service, is there will always this going to be this hunger. And this is the same hunger that the Jews came to Christ asking for. They say, okay, you have got some type, some type of bread we want to eat because this was after they, he, they were fed. And they came and said, okay, we want to, um, to eat. We want bread because bread was the staple thing. Bread equals life. So, Christ says to them, um, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. Christ is saying that you guys are trying to find bread. You're trying to find satisfaction. You're trying to eat. But I want you to realize something, that if you're seeking this bread, this day-to-day -day food, and you think that this will fill you, if you think that there is something in your life that if I just have this thing, my life will be fulfilled and my life will be satisfactory. I want to tell you that for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. There is something beyond what you think fulfillment means. So if you're always seeking fulfillment and satisfaction, and from the time we were kids, we have got a certain idea and thought and direction that only if I get this I will be fulfilled. The Jews have got a long history of that. When the Jews left Egypt with Moses and they went through lots of uh, troubles and he's reminding them of the situation with manna because with the, when they asked for food and God gave them the manna that Christ is talking about now it came a situation where they said we're sick of the manna. Enough manna. Enough this sweet powdery stuff. We don't want sweet nice stuff. We want to go back only if, and they said it if you look at the translation, especially in NSV and ESV, uh, they say only if we can be back to Egypt and sit next to the pots of meat and eat all the, the, the veggies in Egypt. Only if 
only if we get that, don't worry about going uh, and, and, and crossing the Red Sea. Don't worry about getting water out of rock. Don't worry about the manna every morning and twice on the weekend. We just want only if we are granted this. And every single one of us have got this only if idea. Only if my husband does that. Only if this person is good to me. Only if my love relationship works out. Only if I can get this through my career. Only if I can get this house. Maybe we don't realize it. Maybe you don't admit it. But everyone has got this only if. Only if I achieve that. And Christ, they are telling Christ only if we have this bread that if you eat from it, you'll never hunger again. Just like the lady, the Samaritan lady uh, um, next to the well. Just give me this. Only if I can have that, I don't have to expose myself and come in the middle of the day. Only if. And Christ is telling us today that your only if will never fulfill you. So I want to show you something that is, it's from a comedian, C.K. Lewis. And even though that, uh, of course, he's a comedian, so there might be a couple of rude bits in it. But um, it is really telling. And I think that he says it as good as any philosopher. So I'm just going to get it out. I cannot see. Underneath everything in your life, there's that thing, that empty, forever empty. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yes. 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 I, yes. 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 Acknowledge that it's all for nothing and you're alone. You know, it's down there. And sometimes when things clear away, you're not watching it, you're in your car and you start going, oh no, here it comes that I'm alone, like it starts to visit on you. You know, just the sadness. Yes. Life is tremendously sad just by, you know, being in it. And so you're driving and then you go, uh, that's why we text and drive. I look around, pretty much 100% of people driving are texting. Yes. And they're killing, everybody's murdering each other with their cars. Yes. But people are willing to risk taking a life and ruining their own because they don't want to be alone for a second because it's so hard. I was in my car one time said it very eloquently that there is this emptiness inside every single one of us and you will feel it sooner or later you feel it in the midst of the biggest group of friends that you think is filling your life you'll feel it in the midst of most successful day at work you'll feel it in the midst of all this pleasant family life that God gives you you will feel it if this emptiness is not filled the right way and Christ is telling us today how to fill it the right way I remind you of uh, what uh, um, I told you last time about meaning, and this uh, is the same thing as fulfillment. Tolstoy said this, the question brought me to the edge of the abyss. What will come of what I do today and tomorrow? What will come of my entire life? Why should I wish for anything or do anything? Is there anything in my life that will be not be destroyed by my inevitable approaching death? My deeds will soon be forgotten, sooner or later. Why then do anything? 
it is possible to live as long as life intoxicates us. But once we are sober, we cannot help but realize that it is all a delusion. There is nothing funny or witty about it. It is all a cruel and stupid life. Very depressing, yeah? Very depressing. But true. But true. There was always if, either by intention or by uh, um, naivety, we think that we will get fulfillment out of the things that we pursue only if, and we pursue it all day long. And we think about it all day long, whether it's a relationship, whether it's a career, whether it's a, even kind of an altruistic humanitarian type of work. If this thing is normal bread, we will hunger again. The only thing that will really fulfill us is the eternal bread. And I told you last week about Sisyphus, and I told you about Albert Camus, the French writer, and he's telling us that our existence is exactly like that. You will keep pushing the boulder up the rocks all day long, and then the next day you will do the same again. And the next day you will do the same again. You're going to wake up, you're going to Pray, get it out of the way so you can feel good about yourself and then go and work and toil and try to make a career and you will try to be fulfilled. You think, oh, if I can reach this, I will be fulfilled. And at the end of the day, the boulder will be pushed down and you're gonna start the next day the same way again. And the reason that there is this emptiness inside every single one of us starts in Genesis. Because every single one of us was created, the image and likeness of God. And our fulfillment, not just our immortality, but our fulfillment depends on this connection with the eternal, this connection with God. And once we lost this connection, this void was created. This void that will never be filled unless this connection continues. And we will keep thinking of methods to refill this connection. We think, okay, if I have beautiful friends, if you go out and have some fun, if I marry the best girl in the world or the best boy in the world, if I have beautiful kids, maybe I will have this family bliss and I'll be whole again. It will not happen because by definition, we are lacking the reason for fulfillment, the reason for our existence because we are not whole until we connect again with the reason for our existence. And that's why one of the nicest things that John Baer, Father John Baer says is what we do every day. He said, instead of being the platform of the ascent of the divinity, being our body, our physical existence, instead of be, it being the platform of the ascent of the divinity, so that's what we were talking about last time, how we are transforming the banquet of this world by consuming it into glorifying God. So our, exist, our mere physical existence should be a platform through which we ascend by partaking of the sacraments to becoming divine. We're going to talk about that and theosis and all that in the last, last lecture. The body has become the very point of human separation of God. So instead of using this thing only if, if instead of these things that God has given us to enjoy in this world, to become the platform the things that we consume to glorify God and know God through it, it became our main directive. It became, became our main aim. And because instead of being a method, a platform, it became the aim, 
the very point of human separation from God, not because of its materiality, but because of it being, being an idol. So we, we started worshipping it. Instead of getting married to be able to be fulfilled through becoming one with God, instead of eating and drinking and enjoying company of people so that we through them can see Christ and connect with Christ, them becoming the main aim of my existence separated me from God because it became the idol. Having a successful marriage became the idol. Having fun with my friend became the idol. Being a successful person became the idol. It is not the platform anymore. We have made our home in the world and its pleasures and once having alienated ourselves from our loving creator, we found ourselves embroiled in shame, guilt, disorder, desires, idolatry, violence, and death. One of my favorite writers, Anthony Coniaris, says, when the true center, this only if, when the true center of our lives is displayed, displaced with what rushes in to fit, no, when the true center of our lives is displaced, so the true center being this thing that we are looking for to fill up, which is God. If this becomes displaced, if we lose the true center, the first thing that rushes in to fill God's place, the next deep, deepest aspect of our personality. So I am somebody who's got a, a huge ego. So if I displace God from the center of our life, the center of my existence will be my ego. I want everybody to love me. It will be the end of the world when somebody says, no, we don't want him. He's not uh, the best servant. He's not fit for this. If my true, true center of my life, which is God, becomes displaced, the inner part of my personality will take place. If my inner part of my personality, a family life, um, my ego, uh, a sexual desire, a gluttony feeling, it will take the centerpiece of my life. Possessions. I want to read that to you because this is something, this is a bit that we've read before. We, we, you all know it, but I just put it in its entirety. So you talk about, I'm talking about the what, what if thing. C.S. Lewis calls it the it. He says what? Most people, if they learn to look closely into their hearts, will know that they do want and want, they, they do, this is they, they do want and want acutely something that cannot be had in this world. There are all sorts of things in this world that will offer to give you, but the narrative, but the, the, the native promise, belongings, that arise in us, we first fall in love, the first think of some trip foreign, to a foreign country, or first take up some subject that excites us, are longings that no marriage, no travel, no subject can easily satisfy. So we've got this longing inside everyone. So we've got this emptiness inside every single one of us. And we think something will fill it. Maybe you should go for a trip. Maybe let's go out with our friends. Maybe let's go to church to hang out together. And we're looking for some certain feeling, some fulfillment. C.S. Lewis saying, nothing will satisfy that. I'm not talking about what would be described as unsuccessful marriage. So he's saying, not only the unsuccessful marriages will not satisfy it, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying the most successful marriage, the most beautiful trip, the most fantastic company, the most beautiful book, still won't satisfy it. He's saying, I'm not talking about what we would be, would be described as an unsuccessful marriage, or unsuccessful travel, or unsuccessful career. I'm speaking of the best possible ones. The marriage is fantastic. The trip is glorious. The career is going through the roof. But it, it's what we're seeking. This emptiness that C.K. Lewis is talking about. 
but it has evaded us. We are chasing it. We can't find it. We are all looking for it, capital I, capital T. We might think, I just want to live in a normal street and lead a normal life. That's your question from last time. I just want to live a normal life. I don't feel that I need it. I'm okay, I'm happy. But sooner or later, it will bite you. You'll find that you're still chasing it. No, but not every single one of us is looking for it in order to reach fulfillment and satisfaction. Every single one of us wants to reach that. So, what do we do? What do you do when we can't find what do people do when they can't find it so I'm chasing myself I'm trying to find it I'm trying to find satisfaction I'm happily married but there's still this still emptiness I'm going to church and there's still this emptiness I'm going um, uh, uh, I'm having a fantastic career and there's still emptiness I'm having beautiful kids and still emptiness because none of that will satisfy it so what do people do people usually do one of two things either they say no there is it and I'm gonna find it. And they keep trying to find it. Either they will say, it is it, but maybe it's not marriage. Maybe it is if I have a successful uh, business, then I'll reach fulfillment. And they keep looking for it. They keep changing it to find it. Some people think, maybe I have found it, but it, the problem is not in the it. The problem is in the one that is fulfilling it. Maybe this wife was never for me. Maybe if I have a relationship, Maybe if it is, if this is the wrong man for me. He should not have been the one I chose. Maybe it's a different, maybe I have a change of career. It is there. And if I have the right career, it's going to fulfill me. If I, if I just can have the right wife that really loves me for who I am and all these things that people say, I'll find it. So not only they think of changing it, but they think of changing the it as well because they're still in search for it. Some people say, it's not... The problem is not in the it, it's the problem is in me. My husband is good, but I still got this emptiness because I'm un unappreciative of him. We cannot con connect. It's not him, it's me. It's not the career, it's me. I'm a loser. I cannot connect. I cannot understand. There's something wrong with me. And they fall into depression. They fall into anxiety and for a problem. So there's this group of people that they still think it, it, it will be found in these things that Anthony Cunyaris was talking about. And they still pursue it and they can get it. And then you've got the other group that say, nah, there's no it. It is not to be found. I'm just gonna maybe shift to my conception of it. Yes? Can I just say that it's all right to travel, it's all right to do all those things? Of course. At the end of the day, I think what you're trying to say is that you're still gonna... Realize. Of course. And you're still gonna say... That Absolutely. God is yeah, no, I agree, 100%. Yeah. The problem that, that we started with last time is that this is in the second group. The, the, the second group will tell you. So the second group, the first group said that it is there, but we just can't, haven't got it yet. The problem is in me. The problem is in my, my wife. The problem is that my career is not satisfying enough, so I'm going to change my career and keep pursuing it. The other group say, maybe there is no it. So what they do, sometimes they detach. And sometimes we have got this misconception in orthodoxy that orthodoxy means that we should not love things. We should not love the world. The, the, the verse, do not love the world or anything in it. Sometimes we think, and this is probably as a result of us quoting monks and quoting fathers, uh, sometimes out of context, is that we think that the only way that we will find fulfillment is by detaching ourselves 
from the world. So, no, you will never find it in, in a marital life. You will never find it, yes, but does that, man, does that mean that you won't be able to enjoy and fulfill a marriage or enjoy and, and be fulfilled in a way with travel or with learning or with a career? No. It means that if you think that it is it, then you will still continue being empty. But sometimes we go on to the other extreme where we say, no, if you, do, if you want to find it, that's the other group, if you want to really find it, then you have to detach yourself from the world. You have to become a monk. That's the only way you're going to find it. You have to hate things. You have to... Th- you cannot love a good meal. You cannot love being married. You cannot love being... Because loving these things means that you are seeking the wrong direction. And this detachment is not what orthodoxy means. Is not what living a godly life means. That's what we discussed last time about the idea of the world being your banquet and consuming the world and enjoying the world is glorifying God. So finding God through the world, not in separation from the world. Again, C.S. Lewis, you know this uh, kind of uh, quote very well. So as a duckling wants to swim, there is water. A baby wants to feed, there is milk. And if I find myself have a longing which this world cannot meet, so this is the idea. It's not that we cannot enjoy it, but it is a need or a want or an emptiness that this world cannot meet. This probably means that I was made for another world. How can an idiotic world, he's talking in relation to this premise that we talked about that last time, that we came out of a series of uh, coincidences, accidents. How can an idiotic world randomly produce creatures? This is very profound. How can an idiotic world randomly produce creatures with dreams that are bigger than the world itself? Can the fish complain that the water that they swim in is too wet? So just the mere fact that our fulfillment, our conception is beyond this world means that we are not of this world. And we will never find fulfillment in this world. We talked about St. Irenaeus last time and he, when he said true Christianity is a life fully lived, not detaching from the world. It's fully living the life, but having the right direction. Thank you, dear Lord, for the emptiness that we talk about today, for the emptiness that dwells inside me, without which I would never have known the fullness of your love. So the idea is not, not loving travel. The idea is not, not loving marriage. The idea is not, not loving being with your friend. The idea is where is your love? Because St. Augustine says, only the love of the immutable will bring tranquility and satisfaction. And before he said this quote, he said something nice. He said that the problem that we have is not that we love something a lot. He says that we don't have the right priorities in love. So for instance, if you love, if you love your work more than your family, then you'll destroy your family. If you love money more than justice, then you will be very bad to the people that work for you. If you love um, your kids more than you love God, then you will spoil your kids and they will grow away from your God. So it's not that we should not love deeply and dearly and to the limit. It is where does the love of the immutable sit in your priorities of love? That's what he's saying.
Okay, so we reached a conclusion together. I'll ask you this question finally. So we have agreed that we are pursuing it. We are saying only if. And even after we leave this session together, once you set foot out of this door, you will think again only if. You will think again, oh, that was great, but only if I can get this, only if I can get that. And without changing your mind really fully and realize this once and for all, just like we talked about this guy with lung cancer, unless you know that there is a malignant issue inside the psyche and the intellect of every single one of us where we are thinking, only if I can achieve that, I will reach fulfillment. Until you realize that, you will be chasing your tail always. You will always have this emptiness. You will always be, live this inability to have a fulfilled life. And the only way that you will be able to reach fulfillment is to become one with God again. Christ was talking about the bread of life, and we were talking about being able to become one with God in eating his body and in drinking his blood. Um, one of the fathers says something nice. He says, we cannot live, you cannot survive without eating, yes? And apart from water and maybe some minerals, every single thing that you consume to live died for you so that you can eat. So whether it's a grain, where it's an animal, where it's a bird, where it's a fish, that was, it was killed. So the grain of rice, the, the plant was killed and was ground to make some rice or make a porridge or an animal was killed. Every single thing apart from water and the minerals, it died for you to live. And the same thing, Christ died for us, so we are able to be reborn again through the renewal of our existence through baptism and be able to connect with him in eating his body and drinking his blood. So just like in simple survival, things had to die for you to live, in spiritual eternal living, Christ had to die for you to live forever. So final questions or final question. Why, despite the fact that we are all here, we are all in church, we're all having, partaking from Christ's body and blood and becoming one with God, why, I ask you, do we still feel the void? So, but we discussed and we said, okay, we feel the void because we sometimes pursue things that are away from God. Maybe this is the reason. But I ask you this question. Why, even for us who are in church, maybe serving, maybe deacons, maybe uh, um, Sunday school uh, servants, we still have this unfulfilled existence. We still have this emptiness inside. Why do you think? Yes. Aren't we supposed to be living heaven on earth? So we're supposed to be living heaven here? Father, Father, Father Thomas Hopkins says something very nice. He says that every single one of us have got a calling 
and we all have the same calling and every single one of us have got, has got a unique calling. So he says, every single one of us has got a calling, whether it is to uh, work or to become clergy or whether to live an easy life or whether to suffer, we all have a calling. And we all have the same calling to be saints on this earth because once the Holy Spirit has been poured inside us and dwells inside us, we are called to be saints now. So this, we have no excuse but to be saints. This is our main calling and fulfillment. So this is the calling to be saints here, not there. We are in heaven now. This is just the earthly type of heaven, and then we're going to have the heavenly side of heaven. But since we baptized, and every single time we confess, we get baptized by the tears of, of repentance, we are reborn and getting baptized again. Every single time we connect with Christ, so eating his body and drinking his blood, we are ready to become saints. So it is now. He says we are all having a calling for fulfillment. We all have the same calling of being saints, and we all have a unique calling. Some people will become saint through um, priesthood. Some people will be through uh, monasterian life. Some people through intellectual work. Some people through physical work. Some people will be through celibacy. Some people through marriage. But every single one will be is expected to be a saint on this life. So, no, we expect it to be fulfilled here. So the question stands, why are we not fulfilled? It's a fact. We come to church and we go out feeling empty. You will leave church and you're going to still, you're going to be dragged straight into the flood of the world and you're going to be just drifting down the, 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 the rapids in the river, driving with the people, pushing the boulder up the hill again tomorrow morning. Beautiful. Yeah. Agree. So why do we lose the centeredness? The world's very easy to displace that centeredness. <laughs> you're, you're right. It's the world, of course, but there's a, there's a problem with our approach. Do you know the Elisha, Elisha the prophet? <laughs> do you know the story of Elisha and uh, the widow and the oil? Do you know this story? Yeah? Who knows the story? Can anybody help me out with the story? Yes. Uh, it was a poor widow. And yes. She had very little oil. Yes. And then, uh, Sorry, what's your name? Christian. Can you hear Christian, guys? Yeah. Uh, and I can't remember what uh, she was required to do. I think she went to find any uh, vessel she could from. Good man. And then she continued to pour from the original vessel oil, filling all the other vessels. And then what happened? <laughs> you missed my crucial bits. <laughs> okay, now thanks for Well done, well done. Not many remember the story. So now Christian said the, the, the story. So there was no oil, and uh, and Alicia told her, "No, give me first And so anyway, the oil ran out. So he told her, "Go, your son, and get as many utensils as you can, and fill up the utensils." So she got the 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 main oil container, and she kept pouring and filling up the utensils that she got. And when did her utensil stop pouring oil? Yes. Yeah. 
Yes, exactly, exactly. So there was no more oil. There was no more oil to be had. The oil stopped pouring when there was no empty utensils anymore. What does it got to do with anything? Why did I bring out this story? Absolutely. Or let me just twist it in another way. We are not empty enough. When we come to Christ in church, when we come to Christ in prayer, when we come to Christ to eat his body and drink his blood, when we open the book to eat his words, we are not empty enough. We just got a bit of emptiness here that I want to fulfill. Maybe it's an ego emptiness. Maybe it's a self-righteousness emptiness. But we're not empty enough. This is what Christ this is what St. Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 2, this idea of he emptied himself. And he's telling people how to empty themselves. The idea of kenosis, the idea of being empty. The idea of being empty means that you will not be fulfilled. You will go out the door spiritually empty if you're not empty enough. If you come knowing, knowing that if you're not really empty, if you come knowing to a meeting, to a mass, for confession, for any spiritual act, thinking I'm just fulfilling the thing. I'm really okay, I just really need to confess more. I'm really good, but I just need to read the Bible more. You're not empty. Empty means, Christ, I need you. My life means nothing. My family, they will not fulfill me. This is the whole idea of kenosis. Kenosis means being empty to become filled. And that's why I'm telling you the story of the pots, the oil stopped the oil stopped pouring because she had no more utensils when i come to christ thinking i'm fulfilled really oh my family is great i love my job i just need to become holy i just need to fulfill the righteousness part of my personality i'm not empty that's not emptiness and if you're coming that way you will never be filled you don't have enough empty pots the pour, pouring oil will not happen. That's what happened to the, to, to the widow. The oil stopped when she had no empty pots. Mm-hmm. Having an empty pot means that the Holy Spirit will continue flooding and filling you. Coming to eat from communion, coming to connect with Christ, thinking, I just need to have communion because I need communion. I was told that communion makes me one with Christ. I just, I don't feel the need. My family fulfills my need. My job fulfills my identity. My service makes me feel good about myself. But it's good to do the other stuff. I'm not empty. Empty means I know deep inside me that all these things that I'm struggling to do or I'm spending all my time to do, they are not filling me. Even though that I am thanking God every single minute for my family, for my career, for my friend, for allowing me to serve. But still, the emptiness inside me will always be there. Like C.K. Lewis said, like C.S. Lewis said, it will not be filled. The only time that we filled is that when I'm empty, when I come and tell Christ, I need you. I need to eat your body and drink your blood because this is the only thing that will fill me up. All these things are great blessings, but yes, they will never fill me. I want you to fill me today. I want to become with you when I eat your body and drink. I want to hear your voice talking to me when I open the Bible. I want to hear your voice when I pray the Agbeya. I just It's not the idea of just feeling good about myself. I just want you to talk to me. I don't want it to be a one-sided conversation. I want to hear your voice back to me, filling me, satisfying me, and fulfilling me. 
then and only then the oil will start pouring again. So you need to be empty to be full. And glory be to God forever. Amen. So, yes, Marco. Yeah, no, no, go ahead. No, 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 go, go, go. It is great, great question. It is exactly like the question that people ask: Will are we all going to be the same, feel the same when we are in heaven? Okay, are we going to be all feel the same? I'm sure the feeling of St. Paul and St. Anthony and, and uh, Father Lazarus and all the the people that we talk about, the feeling will be different. But to me the feeling will be the same. So we'll be filled differently, but every fun will, everyone will be filled equally. Okay? Do you understand what I'm trying to say in this point? We always... So the, 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 the stages or the closeness to Christ will be different, but my vision, my perception, my fulfillment, my fillness will be complete for me. The same thing... In heaven and the same thing extrapolates from heaven to earth as well so for your question am I gonna be fulfilled fully just like Jackie said in on earth like it is in heaven even in heaven my fulfillness and my fullness and my knowledge of Christ will never stop so my knowledge of Christ will keep increasing but my fulfillment on earth can be as it is in heaven because I'm going to be one with Christ but in, in heaven I'm going to be seeing him as he is like St. Paul says so it's going to be a different type of knowledge but it can be fully fulfilling here because I am eating his body and drink his blood so I'm becoming with him again so being one with Christ partaking of the divine nature here becoming one with him here the fulfillment of that here can be fully fulfilling but the knowledge is going to be changing continuously changing so the knowledge for me in the first uh, uh, eternity will uh, not be the same as the second uh, uh, phase of eternity because my knowledge of Christ will keep increasing but my fulfillment can be perfect here because I'm going to be one with him yes here it the knowledge is a bit different because of my dual nature the physical and spiritual but the oneness can be the same and the fulfillment can be the same even though we've got that even though that we pull down if but th th this is this is what the saints were saying that the, the the person born from god we are new, a new generation so this new generation even though that we still got the spiritual the 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 physical component of it but the directive in us being a new generation the default is godly and even though that we got the physical nature, actually, one of the fathers is saying something very interesting and probably will uh, give a different uh, kind of uh, uh, curved ball to your question. He said that one of the reasons that we are set before the angels is that our perception of God 
is more profound than the angel's perception of God because we can perceive God on more than one level, physical and spiritual, and the angels perceive God on a spiritual level only. So, uh, so this father is not saying, is this father saying this physical existence, once I get closer and closer and become one with God and become renewed every time by eating his body, drinking his blood, and by this continuous baptism of repentance. This renewal changes, like we said last time, not only changes me, but it changes the cosmic physical nature that I live in. So the body is not something that is drawing back anymore, something that is pushing me towards Christ more and more. So it becomes more of a fulfilling component to my existence rather than a hindrance to the knowledge of Christ or the fulfillment in knowing Christ. Tell me, what do you think? No, 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 come back, come back, tell me. Beautiful question. So then, so, so yeah, no, no, keep going. So then that brings me back to the question, okay, so maybe I'm, I'm filled with other things that are worldly or other things that may be good, like, you know, having a family and having you know, a job and whatever else. These are good things, but they're filling that void. And so I'm not allowing Christ to fill that void completely. Mm. Mm. And, and that after the fall that union was broken and, yes. and it's, it's man's desire from, from that day forward to try and reconcile with God and God connects yes. it's, a, yes. it's this synergy that we're sort of striving for but I the way I no 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 great question no 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 you're right let me just take it from the last point you said the new generation the new creation we have become a new, crea a new creation, yes? The new creation, since baptism, the new creation that we have been created in is in the process of us becoming the first Adam, actually, in heaven. We're going to be in a level higher than the first Adam was before he sinned. Yes, we agree with that? Because we have eaten from the, 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 the tree already, the tree of, uh, of life. So Adam had not eaten from the tree of life. But we are eating from the tree of life. Are we eating from the tree of life now? Which is? Communion. Communion. So Adam did not eat from the tree of life. We are eating from the tree of life. We're eating from Christ and becoming one with him. So still, why are we filling the void? Are we still filling the void? There are two voids we're talking about now. So let me just kind of... Uh, uh, um, the void that you're talking about is there is the void where somebody's going in complete different direction where Christ is not important to me or he is just a um, theoretical thing that I just want to tick the box okay and if we are still feeling this emptiness inside us then we are living a superficial Christian life Okay? 
once I have this realization, once my direction changes, once I realize the emptiness and change my life in a way that is renewing, not just small kind of tiny corrections, like I'm teaching faith now, tiny corrections, tiny corrections. Once my life changes, things should change dramatically. Unfortunately, the majority of us, there hasn't been this dramatic change. And this is not because we're married and we've got kids, but because we still have got this deep belief that I will reach fulfillment somewhere else. Most of the ones that have had this realization will become saints. Not necessarily going to a monastery, but will come, become saints in their life, where Christ becomes the real center of their existence. And these people, not necessarily monks and priests, these people are people living amongst us, but they have had this realization, and they made the redirection, and these people will be fulfilled. So you and I that are still struggling for fulfillment is because the void is, in, is still there, because we have had not this wake up we're still struggling we're still tiptoeing not get, putting our foot into the water like like we read in jeremiah the water is getting out to our knees getting it out to our hips but really we haven't immersed ourselves but people that really get this realization they change they change not necessarily they say oh i'm, I'm gonna become a buna or i'm gonna become a monk but they say I want to serve. I want to do something more. I want to uh, uh, devote my life to Christ. I'm going to leave this and do this. And you see that the way they treat people changes. The way they treat each other changes. The way they look at God changes. The way they look at their work changes. The way they deal with money changes. The way they deal with their tithing changes. But this calculated type of life that we live means that we're still trying to live a double life and every single one of us if you connect really and you realize really and you make this realization the change will be profound doesn't mean that we're not going to sin doesn't mean that we're not going to drift away because we still got this physical thing but repentance itself will be part of this fulfillment of reconnecting just like you have a bit of a uh, an argument with the wife and then you kind of make up again and this can even get your connection be closer and you love to be stronger so yes somebody that the things that we talked about uh, um, uh, we talked about last time all these saints do you think that they had less connection than one they're gonna have in heaven they had fulfilling connection the knowledge will be more the connection will be more because the knowledge will be more but you can have the same fulfilling connection here limited to our physical existence but not limited by our physical existence so the physical existence can enrich the knowledge, but because it's physical still, the knowledge will be much more when we see him as he is. It's like three or four questions together, but we'll sift it through. No, no, it's beautiful. No, no, beautiful questions. Thanks for the question. Yes, any other questions? Yes. I was talking to his mother. He's yes. Talking to his mother, and um, in one way of um, 
the father explained is he wants uh, to be empty first than uh, for it to be filled and changed before he refilled it. Nice. So uh, yes. waiting for him to be empty uh, so that, that would, if he empties himself, then putting him in the center of uh, Christ, putting the center and bringing Christ to you will feel filled to the top and will make it much more sweeter and better. Nice. So that's how... Yeah, no, you're right. I think that we, I think every single one of us, one of us and probably we'll discuss it a bit more when we talk about uh, the search for identity, but every single one of us believes in his kind of heart of hearts that what makes me is this or that. So what makes me is I'm a servant. What makes me is I'm a successful doctor, uh, a father, a father of two. There is something that fills me, makes me feel. Uh, uh, C.S. Lewis says, uh, this question when everything is done and dusted and all the chips fall on the ground what stands out as what you're going to fall onto every single one of us goes back home and thinks everything has been a terrible day but thank god i've got my family thank god i've got still my career thank god i've still got my kind of beautiful physique <laughs> not me but some people say that uh, so there is something that we fall onto Everything oh, I've had, uh, my, all my uh, uh, assets in the stock market is gone. But thank God I have this left. And this is filling me. This is me. This is my identity. That's, that's, that's what stand the test of time. If this is still there, you will not be empty. And that's, that's the point that you're saying. You have to empty. You have to empty. You have to have the empty utensils like Elisha. You have to empty the jars like kind of gallery. You know, thanks for the beautiful point. Mm. Yeah. No, I've just been, there's, there's been a theme in my head this whole time. And it's, it's funny because I live by this, but it's do the bare minimum. Okay. <laughs> to get through. So it's almost like with fulfillment, don't work so hard to have all the things of the world because they're never going to fulfill you. So just True. get the bare minimum so you get through life. <laughs> and this does not extrapolate on, uh, on, on uh, spiritual life, is it? No, that, that aside. Like Evangelesi. <laughs> Yeah. Not the bare minimum spirituality, <laughs> but in, in the world. Yeah, no, I, no that's, a, that's a good approach. So it's just like, do the bare minimum so you can have the least disappointment. That, that's, that's <laughs> 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 you get through uni doing the bare minimum. <laughs> it works, it works. There was this, 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 this Egyptian proverb, of course it comes from, uh, it has to come from Egypt. He says that um, it condones being lazy, not, not that you're lazy, <laughs> but it condones being lazy. It says, you work a lot, you make a lot of mistakes, you get punished. You work a little, you get a lot of little mistakes, and you probably stay as you are. You do nothing, you don't make any mistakes, and you probably get promoted. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks for the big finale. <laughs> okay, guys, thank you very much, and glory be to God for a Next time, we'll talk about the search for identity, and God bless you all.